Welcome to Monday Morning Homilist. I'm Father Manny Alvarez. And I'm Jorge Santibanez. Every Monday morning, we dive deeper into the previous Sunday's readings and homilies. And towards the end, we veer off to talk about life and definitely talk a little sports. Enjoy. morning happy monday welcome back i i step away for four Sorry. days and you end up recording a 75 have, minute podcast let me have it. okay i i deserve it <laughs> your two our two longest episodes are now uh-huh. w- when when i've been gone uh-huh don't don't leave <laughs> oh don't be a family man you know no it, it, we had we had fun on fr- uh, it wasn't on, it wasn't just on friday friday we recorded yeah you, you recorded that like three different days <laughs> we recorded that uh, Friday we did the the Annunciation, Izzy and I, and we apologize for the audio issues we had with Izzy's microphone. We don't know we don't know what happened there. I wasn't here. That's what happened. <laughs> and um, and then we recorded the sports on Wednesday. And I thought you know I came in and you had left already. You had you know picked up Lexi and you were off to Disney. Off to the races. And um, we did that on Wednesday, Ashley and I. And Ashley sounded and Ashley sounded okay. I don't know what happened. Izzy used Ashley's microphone. And then on on Thursday, late Thursday night, I recorded the Oscar segment. And we won't talk about that until the second segment because we have a lot to talk about in this first Ooh-wee. segment. We, yeah. <laughs> so I don't think you have enough material. No, we don't, and we could go over seventy five minutes just on this gospel from yesterday. So, so before we get into it, because uh-huh. I know I know the the Good Shepherd is one of your favorites, but Good Shepherd or Prodigal Son, my favorite as your as your favorite gospel, favorite gospel, Par- Prodigal Son. Yeah. No, Prodigal Son, um, because I've spent so much time uh, meditating on it, reading about it, reading different takes on it. Uh, I, I always say, and I, and, I, and I sent you the book last week, yep. uh, you know, Henry Newman's Return of the Prodigal Son is a spiritual masterpiece. There's, and there's things, I, I read it for the first time, I want to say 25 years ago. Uh, it was released in 94. And Read it five times, and and each time is something new. And and now you know later on with age, you know you start looking at things a little differently, and maybe start not disagreeing with with Henry Newman's you know take on certain aspects. Because not only is he is he meditating upon the parable, but he's also meditating upon the the Rembrandt's Return of the Prodigal Son. By the way, we were supposed to have a copy of Rembrandt's. Return of the Prodigal. It was beautiful. I saw it you downstairs. Saw, you saw it. You no, know, it, it arrived after it you arrived, left. Yeah. But it arrived, and it was supposed to be displayed on the altar this weekend. Thing is, it arrived and framed, it, and the frame the was broken. broken. Oh, and I'm like, I hate when that happens. And so I was like, everybody's like, Father, I'll just put it out and send it back on Monday. But I'm not that guy. Everybody knows that I'm a Boy Scout. I go. It's like you know, wearing a dress, and I had I had to clarify that yesterday. It was like it's like I buy a dress and I go. Wait a second, that doesn't make sense. Uh, it's like I buy something, wear it once, and send it back. And I, I don't like, you know, that's that's not cool. So, but so Nguyen is, is meditating both on the parable itself and what is going on in the painting, which is basically echoing what's going on in the parable. And his insights are just so profound. And and you could just spend an entire weekend. If we have a retreat, an amazing retreat that is revolves around one gospel, you could do probably two or three retreats revolving around this gospel and just using the three just characters, the three characters, yeah. the three characters of the son, the the father, and the elder son. So that's where we were yesterday, and 
my goodness, did we have all the masses were packed yesterday? Every single one. God bless them. They were they were packed as we get closer as you get closer to Easter. Oh, it's so good to see. Mm-hmm. I, there's nothing like a full church. Oh, we've we've missed it. I mean, our, our very first, I think it was our trial pod. Mm-hmm. You know, it was just after Easter, and we were talking about you know let the let the building resound with joy and right. and just meditating on on the energy of that of that full church. So to see that again this uh, yeah we're gonna and this we're, weekend and to to kind of anticipate what's about to hit us. No, we were just talking <laughs> about it in a staff Palm meeting, Sunday. and we we are we we expect you know bigger than usual crowds because people are starting to file back you know filing back to church the dispensation expires on on palm sunday and we're like yay you know the dispensation (laughs) from uh, the the obligation of going to sunday mass because of the pandemic is over so and it's something that the archbishop emphasized that you know we don't come to mass you're committing a great sin so it's it's, as simple as that you know so so we can dive right in it was so providential that that his message came out and you wrote about it in your bulletin uh, column and i actually pointed it out when i posted it online well after we had published and sent the print that your whole message was, you know, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home, come back home. And you've got this, I do the cover image and the gospel of the prodigal son coming home. And and we never put tied the two together. So, but that's why we're here. (laughs) I go epic fail. You send this to me long after, I mean, the same day that we sent the bulletin to print and diocesan is so good. They were, and you told me they probably have this printed and on a a truck, you know, (laughs) So, so we've got. Uh, there's so many different ways we can go with this. I right. know you. You said you could preach for two hours, and then some, and then some. So, so let's go. Let's dive in and uh, on this on this well, beautiful gospel I mean, in the heart of Lent here. Last week, I you know I, I left it at you know we sometimes we have to lose everything to understand God's mercy, understand God's love, and you, and then you could apply that to to anything. When you when you lose something. Um, you start longing for what you've lost. You start longing for what you had. And this is where the prodigal son is when he is in the faraway land and has squandered everything and is now working for someone who, working for the pigs, which is something so uh, unfathomable for a Jewish person to hear Jesus say, you know, because pigs were unclean, pigs were, you know, swine was unclean. They, you know, you, you know they were like the lowest form of, of animals. You know, just maybe a little bit above the serpent. So uh, we can't understand how they reacted to that because he had to be in that state of mind in the time. So this is his desperation. He longs for, at that moment, to what the pigs were eating. And I've been on farms and I've been in ranches and pigs basically, I remember when I was on missions, we would have two, you know, this is before recycling, we had two garbage cans. One was for Organic trash and one was for inorganic trash. And the organic trash was basically apple cores and right. and food that, you know, bones and, and things. And that's, that garbage can was put in the trough of the pigs for them to eat. And they would eat it. You know, maybe not the bones, but the, the apple cores and, and banana peels and all those, they would go in there. Mango peels, all those things would go into that pot yeah. and the pigs would eat it. And this is what the prodigal son is hungering for this son of a wealthy father, this son of a merciful father, this son of who, who had all this wealth, who had squandered it. This is w- the moment of desperation when he finally realizes, wait, I have a father. But when he says, wait, I have a father, it's like, wait, my father had, is not, I, my father has servants yep. 
worrying better than I am. So there's two ways of looking at this. Nguyen says, you know, he goes back to his father. And I, and I really want to dive deeper into that one, you know, in, in my reading of, of, of the book, because I have it on my, on my nightstand. Uh, Nguyen says that here he goes and he devises his plan in his head just to be able to eat. I mean, it's yes, it is an important point that he remembers that he is a son, but he does it with terms and conditions. He does it for the sake of, I'm hungry. I go, I want to be called your servant. Now, I, I love that. I love the emphasis that you put on that, mm-hmm. that it was survival. It was. You know, because yeah. I've, again, I've read this gospel. I've heard this gospel repeatedly. I've meditated on this gospel. And I'd never seen it that way. You know, I'd never, I'd never picked up on that. I mean, obviously, it's, it's now that you mentioned it, it's so obvious. But this sense of, you know, I just, I just need to do whatever I can to, to eat. Right. So, it, yeah, it's, it's going back home. It's going back to his father. But it's almost selfish. To be lesser than. Yeah. yeah. It's because it's purely out of just survival instinct. Mm-hmm. So that was, that was a great insight. That uh, Right. It, it is survival. It, and he's going back. It's, and, I, and I equated it to like, okay, I'm going to go. I'm in the confession line. And I'm going to go tell the priest this. Mm-hmm. But I'm, gonna, I'm still, you know, I may hold this back. I may tell, okay, Father, you know, I, I, I do this, but, you know, and people have told me this. You know, outside of the confession, obviously, I can't tell you what's going on in the side, inside the confession. People told me that, Father, I really want to confess this sin, but I'm really not sorry for it. And I'm like, okay. And I remember a priest once taught me, he goes, this line, he goes, well, are you sorry that you're not sorry? And he goes, well, yeah. I go, well, that's good enough. That's something that for God to work with. Take that into the confessional. Yeah. But so many times we're lined up outside the confessional and we're scheming. Yep. I didn't use that word yesterday, but that, that's one of those words, a word you could apply that. I use the word concoct, deceive, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> I use a lot of synonyms. You know, I didn't have the, actually, no, I think I used it the shortest ones when I was typing it out because it was kind of, we're in the confessional line and we're scheming like the prodigal son saying, this is what I'm going to say to get out of the mess that I'm in, which is fine. That's all God needs. Yep. That's all the father needed in the parable to, you know, that little opening, you know, because we remember that we have a father that we sometimes abuse of the. And we talked about that last week in the podcast. That we sometimes abuse of the father's mercy. Yeah, that we that the son was using this for his own selfish needs because he wanted to eat. Yes, but that's all he needed. So I was saying there's two re- ways of looking at it. This deception. I was reading a commentary from Bishop Barron a couple years ago on this parable, and he sees the. Machinations and I'm going on the synonym there. Machinations in the, in the son's head, as kind of like, or and when he says it out loud to his father, as kind of like a confession, which I was like, huh, never seen it from that point of view. Father, I no longer deserve, deserve you know, I no longer deserve to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. And then that's when the father stops him. And that's what, listen. And that's what would happen to you if you walked into my confessional and say, I have sinned, I no longer, I don't deserve to be called the cat. I go, stop, Enough. just just stop. Enough. Okay, stop, because that's what the father does. Mm-hmm. He says, quickly, and the next explanation point, put a robe on, his, uh, on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, because this boy of mine has been lost and found, he's dead and is now alive. 
So he wants us to restore us to our royal dignity. So that's a two ways of looking at it of, okay, is he coming? Yes, he's coming with this ulterior motive. And then, the, you know, and I, and I skipped over one of the crucial part, which is the crux of my homily yesterday, is that before he even arrived at the gates, his father saw him from far away and ran to him. And that's what God does. You know, he's not going to run to us in the land of dissipation. He's not going to run to us at the faraway land. But when we start to make the journey home, that's when he runs to us. But it also implies that he's looking for us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I've I've always loved that little detail because it's not like, oh, the, the father just happened to see him coming. No, the father was actively looking, you know, to the horizon, waiting for the for the, his, the return of his son. Right. Yeah. Whatever whatever prompted that return, you know, he didn't care. He was just always looking out for the return of his son. And as soon as he sees as soon as he sees him, yeah. no questions asked. He drops everything and runs out to, to greet him, to meet him, and, and to welcome him home. And that's such a beautiful, beautiful detail that you know, he didn't sit back and, and say, okay, let me hear what you have to say. You know, let, me, let me hear you apologize first before I say anything. No, it's the, fa the father, out of pure love, you know, runs out to meet him as soon as, as, soon as you know, the, the, the first hair of his head you yeah. know, pops, pops up over the, over the line of the horizon. And that's what's so beautiful about our God. And I said this over and over again yesterday. We underestimate his mercy. We underestimate his love. Because one thing I didn't emphasize at 530, which is what Matthew went to, which I emphasize at the 1030, is that nothing can take away our royal dignity mm -hmm. as sons and daughters of God. Just like nothing can ever take away from your children, I've emphasized at 1030, that they are your children. Yep. Now, they may disappoint you in the future. They may, may, may do things that will make you, you know, pull whatever, whatever you know, hair you have left out of your head, you know, and, 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 but it doesn't take away that Alexandra and Matias are your children yep. and that you are their father. Nothing can ever, they are the son, the son and the daughter of Angelica and Jorge. That, nothing can ever take, them, take that title away from them. And you'd be insulted just like the father was insulted. Because it doesn't matter what they did. If they, came, if they came into your house and said, no, I don't longer desire to be called your son or called your daughter, it doesn't matter how horrible it was. You know, knowing you and knowing your wife, you'd be insulted. Now, as equally, you would be insulted if, if they told you, give me my inheritance now. Okay. <laughs> They're not getting much. <laughs> yeah. So, But this, this idea of God running to us, and, and you touched on it, Jorge, that... For me as a priest and as a pastor, you know, especially this time of year when, I, when so many people come, are coming back, and obviously, you know, literally it's been happening since we opened up the church after the lockdown, you know, that people come back to church that you have not seen. But when it comes to young people coming back to church, when it comes to former students of mine, when it comes to former youth group kids of mine that I haven't seen in a while, and they come back to church or they call, it happened to me last week. Father, I, can I come see you? I need to go to confession. And, and that's a God-ran you know, moment for me. That is a father running to his child moment for me as a pastor because that's where it comes from. It's this longing we have as, as, as fathers, as, as spiritual fathers, that we want 
our and we don't and we don't ask questions. We don't ask where you've been. We just we're just happy that they're there. And I think you know that's something that we could do better, not just here at, at Little Flower, but just better as a church. You know, is to to be that place of welcome. You know, to not stand at the door in judgment. Because because like, like we the elder like son. the elder son. Yeah. We whatever reason they have for coming into church. You know, a couple weeks ago. You know, it was right before college admission letters went out. And I texted you that day. Mm-hmm. I, and yep. I know it was such a powerful moment. This young man and this young, young woman came into church. And, you know, I'm, I'm working on something in the church, of course, inventing, coming up with, with some crazy idea. And they come up to me and say, you know, is, uh, is there a priest? Where's the office? We want to go to confession. You know, we haven't been here in forever, but tomorrow college admissions, uh, College mission letters go out. You know, we thought there's no better place to come than to church to pray. You know, and now that we're here, you know, if there's a priest available, we'd like to go to confession. Yeah, and I thought, wow, you know, here we have these two young people, and maybe their motive for coming home wasn't the best. You know, literally throwing up a last minute hail mary because college admission letters, which was already signed, sealed, delivered, are about to to land in their inboxes. But something in them called them home. You know, something in them brought them to church of all places that they could have gone you know they came to church to pray and and in that moment said you know we're here so let's go to confession too you know, and i just thought you know, the damage that i could have done if i said no you haven't been here you know it, since you graduated and you're here for the wrong reasons and no father's not available and no you know i could have thrown every obstacle in the way you know but instead you know, I took down their phone number and I texted you. you. Unfortunately, there was no priest in the office at the time, but I said, you know, let me get your phone number so that if they are here in the afternoon, you know, you can come back or, or they can call you and you can arrange something or come back on Saturday morning. And I hope they did come back. You know, I hope that that experience did something positive for them. You know, But I just think that's something as a church that we can be better at, to be that place yeah. of welcome. And, and and many of you may be asking, you know, Jorge now is harping on the young. Well, because, you know, they're the ones that, you know, we prepare them here. We have them religi- religious ed. We have them in the school. And yet, after they're confirmed, they disappear. After they graduate, they disappear. And we long for them to come back. And that's why this speaks to me. Because as a pastor, like you said earlier, it, I am looking for that young person or even that older person that hasn't been here in a while. And I rejoice when they come back home. I don't ask questions when they come back home. I just marvel. To me, it is so joyful. Obviously, when I w- persist down the aisle and I see my parishioners that I see every Sunday, I smile at them, you know, wave them. But when I catch a glimpse of someone I have not seen in a while, someone who's been estranged, it could be someone who I had a fallout with. It happens. You know, I'm human. I piss people off. Should not have said that, but you know, there you go, uh, and and vice versa. But but when they're in church, and you know, I am just so grateful that we are there, that we form communion, that we form community, because that's what it's all about. That's what the father does when his son comes home. What does he do? He throws a celebration. That's what the Eucharist is. Yesterday, I didn't touch upon it, but yesterday, some was taste and see the goodness of the Lord. Because that's what we experience at that banquet. It's a foreshadowing of the heavenly banquet. It's a foreshadowing of 
I have it written here. You know, Jesus said, tells us there will be a great celebration in heaven when just one sinner repents. So imagine us being part of that celebration. Look at this friend of ours who had been estranged, who had been lost, who had, you know, maybe had left the church, maybe had a fallout with someone, or maybe said, I don't believe in this, or had a bad experience in confession, or had a bad experience with someone else. And you know what? They know that home is here. They know that, like those two young people, that they always have a place, that those doors are always open, and that when they sit in that church, there's going to be no one judging them, I pray. You know, that there's going to be no, because, now listen, when you walk into the church during the day, there's no one there. Maybe our housekeepers are, you know, sweeping up a little bit, or, or maybe Hori's in there doing one of his inventions, but <laughs> they're not going to bother you. No one's going to say, okay, no, get out, you don't belong here. No, but that's what the elder son does. That's what the elder son said when he stands there in judgment. You know, what, you know, the exact words that I wrote, how many times have, you know, how many times have we been that, uh, like the elder son, standing at the gates of our father's house, casting self-righteous judgment upon those whom we consider sinners, that we consider sinners. See, God the Father, thankfully, has a higher threshold of mercy than oh, we yeah. do. <laughs> thankfully, because if it was up to us our, in our devices, we wouldn't let anybody in. And as simple as that. And people, and the thing, and the, and the thing is that people in the world think that the church is like that. That we're standing at the door saying, no, you can't come in. You can't come in. You did this. You did that. No. Everybody could come in. For sure. Well, we even joke about it. You know, when, when someone, uh, so, when, I mean, I hope we don't joke about it too much. But when someone comes back after a long time, we say, "Oh, look, lightning didn't strike you." <laughs> right. Yeah, you know, but there's that there's that sense that you know, oh God, if I step foot in this, you know, the wrath of God is going to come the down. Holy water, will bo- <laughs> holy water will boil when I touch it. You know, no, uh, we want them to come back, yeah. and that's what this gospel is all about. It is about returning home. In fact, the the tag of of, of return of the prodigal son is is a story of homecoming. It is homecoming. It is, it, is, it is a journey that sometimes takes a lifetime, but sometimes needs to be you know, like prompted by a pivotal moment in our lives. And sometimes it's a moment of loss. Often. You know, it is. Because, you know, I just pulled up, you know, a little while ago, I pulled up a homily, a homily I wrote on this Sunday. I want to say, when was it? It was in 2016, so six years ago. Because when I used to write all my homilies out when I had time, uh, and I really wasn't writing, this weekend I wrote it because I was all over, I told Jorge last night, I said I, I was all over the place all week, uh, you know, because there's so many angles you could take and so many things you could concentrate on, and I was really more concentrated on the part that God ran, that f- the father the, in, the, in, the, in, in the prodigal son ran. I'm thinking of God ran because it's, it's a song. Yeah. Um, but... There, and I look back at the things that I've written in the past, and it depends on where I am in my ministerial life, in my spiritual life, how that speaks to me as not just a priest, but as a Christian. And what prompted that um, six years ago was students from my, my first parish who were, were in New York at the time. And a lot of them moved to New York, or some of them were visiting. And it was, and this, this always comes up around spring break. And they texted me. They were all together. 
and decided, let's text Father Manny a picture of all of us together. It'll make him happy. And that made that just made my night. And and I'm looking at this picture, and I remember I I, I called because I just saw a bunch of them at a wedding I went to last month. And you know, I I, I texted back and forth. I, I FaceTimed them. They were all there, and they were they were in a bar, and it was loud, and I could barely hear them. But it was just so beautiful to see their smiling faces, uh, to see them. Now these are kids that you know that I taught. A lot of them, you know, don't go to church. A lot of them, you know, but they know that they could always call upon me. And the moments, usually when even the ones that that we've had little, little rifts in our relationship, and, I, and I'm thinking of a few that, you know, that I maybe have not been the father that I should be to them, or or maybe I did something, or maybe we just had a fight and we had a disagreement one day, and, and that's it. But even those, they know, to go back to the thing of loss, that in moments of loss, they can always come to me. Like, literally, I want to say a month or two into the pandemic when we were on lockdown, one of them, not one of them in the picture, but one of their classmates passed away. And the first person that, you know, they all called was me. Father, can you celebrate? You know, we couldn't get out of there to celebrate mm-hmm. mass, so I did a live stream mass for them. And for me, it's, it, it's, it's so touching that God has gifted me with this ministry, with this vocation, that I could be a point of encounter for these children that are no longer children anymore. They're in their late 20s, early 30s now. That I And that's, I believe that's the last thing I ever posted on Instagram. Wow. It, and you can't find it because it's, it's, <laughs> it's deactivated, but I'm trying to remember the, uh, I got that quote from Father Ferdy, who was the rector of the seminary. Um, the priest has to be a place of encounter, a temporary one at that, who points to Christ and not himself. And that's something that I always have to remind myself of because, you know, the, you know, I was present in their lives at a, you know, in, during their formative years. And I had one of them in my office last week, you know, talking to me. I'm like, you know, because she was preparing for an Emmaus retreat that she was doing in her parish. I'm like, look at you doing Emmaus retreats. And I'm yeah. so proud of you. And, and, and she's raised a beautiful daughter and she's doing great. And, and I and I was just so proud, you know, of her, but also so touched that she reached out to me and said, "Father, can I come see you as I prepare for the, for this retreat?" And, I, and I'm like, "Absolutely," and and that's the pro, that's the father of the prodigal son, and 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 I said it in my homily yesterday. You know, we could identify with all three characters, but our ultimate goal in the spiritual life is to become the father. And I I love that line. Because so often we we hear we we read or, or or you know hear this gospel and we think of Father as rightfully God, right? But we never translate that down to ourselves. You know how can how can I be the Father in this parable? You know, and and as you just as you just so beautifully put it, that is our call. You know so so yes, it's a little easier for you as as a priest mm-hmm. because you have that you have that point of ministerial contact, but for anybody, and, and I, I illustrated that in, in my story with the two kids, uh, you know, working working in the office. You know, every time I pick up the phone or, or answer a message or or meet with somebody, you know, for for the everyday Catholic in the pews, you know, just 
the look that you give the person sitting to the right or to the left. You know, I'm thinking of now la, la viejitas, you know, as Palm Sunday and Easter Sunday come along and, you know, you're sitting in my chair, you know, you're sitting in my pew, you know. It's so, it's, in a sense, it's so easy for us to be like the Father in saying, yeah, you know, that's where I normally sit, but you haven't been here in a while and you don't know that. So you go ahead and, and have that, you know, you go ahead and, and have that first pew. Mm-hmm. Or, yeah, you know, you haven't been you haven't been here in a while, and you don't know that we have confessions on Saturday, and and that's okay. You know, you came on a Thursday, and and Father's not here right now, but you know, we'll we'll figure it out for you. You know, it's so easy to to be to take on that role of the Father and be that place of welcome, to to be that place of to to be that face of Jesus, you know, to be that face of mercy, to be that that hand of welcome. You know, to to be to not be the older brother who stands in judgment you know, and potentially turns someone away for the rest of their life. And God the Father wants us to take on these qualities that he has precisely because we have, as I harped on over and over again yesterday, because we have a royal dignity, because he created us in his image and likeness, because we are sons and daughters of God. And we need to grasp, and that's something that prodigal son could not mm-hmm. grasp, we need to grasp and truly understand the power of those words. What does it mean to be a son and daughter of God? It means doing everything you just said. It means being that point of encounter. It means being that point of welcome, of being hospitable, to you know, going out and inviting people you know what? Easter's coming up. Let's go to Mass on Easter. You know, Little Flower puts on a great show. Come on, let's go. We have great music. We have, you know, we have great preaching. You're going you're gonna to get all that. You know? I, I'm laughing because we invited a friend to Easter, to the Easter vigil. <laughs> oh, boy. It's a long Mass. <laughs> Which is, I mean, it's a gorgeous Mass. But, but if, you're not, uh, if you're not accustomed to coming to Mass, you know, if, if you don't know what's going on... Which. Yeah. I, I mean, it's it's a great teaching opportunity, but that's a that's a tough one to to sit through. You know, if if that's your first encounter of mass you know, in years. But Jorge, think about it, and I I think about it every year. A good chunk of the people Absolutely. that are Easter vigil are people that don't go to mass because they are the family Absolutely. of the catechumens who are just coming into the church and their and if their family if you know let's say they didn't have a religious upbringing. Yep. And they just so their family's coming to see this momentous occasion, and they're like, "Okay, why are we in the dark? Mm. Why are we holding candles? Yeah. Why is Father singing so long? Why is why is this taking so long? Why why are there seven readings? Why are why is all the you know?" And they're like, "I thought there was going to be an hour, yeah. you know, because that's what how mass is. You know, Easter vigil. I think last year we did it in two and a half, two forty yeah. or something like that. Um, you know, it is, and I always have that in the back of my head when I celebrate the Easter vigil in that the family we have four catechumens that I, you know, that they were like there yesterday, we plus, four, plus one, one, one from the student, one from the, one student, from, that's five. One from the school, yeah. yeah, so it's going to be a wonderful vigil, and I, and listen, and, I, and, and we've said this before, if you've not been to an Easter vigil, oh, you April 16th, once in your life, you need April to. 16th, Saturday, April 16th, 8 p.m., come to the Easter vigil, it is so beautiful, it is so important in the life of our, of our faith, and it is the mother of all liturgies, but invite someone to Easter Sunday Mass. This, this is why this gospel is here. And it's placed on Lake Terry Sunday, which is a Sunday of joy, because we're gl- growing closer. The, the colic pray- prayer says, Lord, 
You know, you f- we are joy- filled with joy as we hasten towards Easter. That was the old translation. As we ha- hasten towards, you know, the Easter, you know, t- towards the, the mm-hmm. Feast of our Redemption. Yes, that's why we're filled with joy yesterday. That's, and that's why this gospel was put there to remind us that, number one, we have a job because we are sons and daughters of God. We have to be a point of welcome. We have to bring people back. Number two, if we are the prodigal son and we've wandered far off, okay, how low do we need to go? How much despair do we need in our life? How much do we have to be in that hole that has looks like has no bottom and has no, no exit? How do we need to go to figure out that we have a father who loves us? And that is so important. There are so many things. I talked about sin yesterday because, you know, the, the part of the, the prodigal son dealing with, you know, leaving everything away, you know, leaving every, you know, wasting everything away, leaving home. And it's something that the elder son points out. He squandered your money on prostitutes, on a life of dissipation. But what does the father say? He was dead and is alive again. But here's what I said about sin. The reason he was dead is because sin kills. What I wrote was, this point cannot be overlooked nor understated. Sin kills us. Sin causes us to walk like zombies through this world. We become numb to the pain of sin and continue falling into the same traps running away to the same far-off lands of dissipation, foolishly thinking to ourselves that we can find greener pastures away from the Father's house. So we walk around, dead inside, knowing that something is missing, knowing full well where we can find that something that our hearts long for, but stubbornly refusing to repent. It is not until we are safe in our Father's arms that we begin to understand the deep ocean of His mercy that we are saved, we have been found, we once again feel life within us when sin is stripped away from us. All this because we have a Father who runs to us when we repent and start the journey home. I said that now because I I left it out of my homily (laughs) last night. That's what the podcast is for. So, yes, it is a story of homecoming. It's a story of conversion. It's a story that prompts us into action and say, okay, what do I need to do to welcome people home? What must I do to be more like the, the father of the prodigal son? What must I do to not be like the prodigal son or not be like the elder son casting judgment on everyone? What must I do? That's what this gospel is all about. So, friends, you know, if you have not started Lenten reading yet, you know, go to Amazon or wherever you buy your books, pick up Henry Newman's. Return of the Prodigal Son. It will not disappoint. It will ch- it will challenge you. It will bring you great comfort, because it is Henry Newman is talking also from his point of view of how he has dealt with this, of how he has dealt with mercy, about how he has dealt with solitude and and despair and depression in his life. So it will bring us. It will bring you comfort during this Lenten season, and this is also a good gospel to prepare us for our good Lenten confession that we talked about last week and the week before, I think it was the week before, that we need to make that good confession, make that good examination conscious, and not go like the prodigal son with terms and conditions into our confession, but just totally surrender to the Father's mercy, the the mercy that we constantly underestimate. 
Don't underestimate God's mercy. Don't put limits on God's mercy. He's going to embrace us as he embraced that son that he ran to. And let us just, and that's why that painting is so beautiful. Because you see an exhausted prodigal son just collapsing into the chest of his father, broken, in despair, waiting to be rescued. And he is rescued by the mercy of the Father. Let yourself be rescued by God. Let yourself be embraced by the Father's mercy this Lent. Let the Father run to you. Let him embrace you with his mercy. Yes! Yes! The you! The you! The you! The you! running back. Wow. That's your fiance's boy. Exactly. It's you a no-brainer. He's a Hall of Famer. <laughs> that guy just... No, but just... No. Get out of here. What was that last night? What was that yesterday? What, which one are you talking oh, about? UM, right? We, we, <laughs> we have... We, that can apply to so many things. That's right. No, so I, I said the, I don't even know where to start. <laughs> I said to you yesterday that the sports bump you memories. We have a que- we have an answer to pretty much every single question that we lay out, <laughs> except for the running back thing, I guess. But wow, let let let's start off. Obviously, where where we deserve to start off, a, you know, tip of the hat to the Canes. I mean, what a run! What a run! An amazing run. We didn't expect them to be, get this far. We thought, okay, a sweet sixteen, but. To be on this cusp by Central at halftime, we're twenty, we're six points up, twenty minutes from the final four, and we had to play those twenty minutes. Ouch! Fifteen points in the second half. That was That's... that was not pretty. I mean, but Kansas, Kansas to their credit, is... no, they're a good team. They're a very good team, and not because they beat us, because the four teams that are in the final four, you have Duke, Carolina. My goodness, they've never met in the in the tournament. I, I couldn't believe that. No, I heard because that this morning they're they're always placed in in different brackets, so they always usually have to meet up. In, in the, the really the only possibility is in the final four, yep. but Duke Carolina on one side of Villanova and Kansas, so you have four blue bloods. And I, I should have gone with uh, with my school. I should have gone with Villanova. Yeah, there you go. Uh, you 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 have you have these four blue bloods, and God bless them. But and not because like I said not because they beat us, but Kansas. If they play like that, like they played in the second half, I mean Villanova's down their best player. Yep, and we have seen the weaknesses of Duke and Carolina well, we because beat we, beat we beat them, them and we beat kind of pretty soundly here yep. at home. And to go into Cameron Indoor and to beat Duke is no small task. But if Kansas plays like that, then there's no one who could stop yep. them. Now, there has to be something to say about the Coach K factor. That is not the Duke team that we saw during the regular season, nor du- the team that we almost beat in the ACC tournament. They are playing for their coach. Uh, he is having fun. I, I talked to a Friend of mine who's a Duke graduate yesterday, yeah. and and he was like, I'm, you know, I said to him, I've never seen him have so much fun. He was like, he's just loose. Yeah. He's it's, like, it's only fitting he made it to the uh, to the to, final to four. the final. He passed. You know what it is to pass John Wooden, who won the most national championships, and to pass John Wooden for most Final Four appearances. Yeah. That's just something incredible. Had his th- his hundredth tournament win during this tournament. So hats off to them. But but the Canes. Just a great first half, McGusty. Now I was watching it with 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 Carlos and Sophia, and, and Carlos, you know, Sophia's Jorge's uh, assistant, and 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 her boyfriend Carlos, is, you know, one of my special directees from from back in you know for eight years now. 
and he, he was watching it, and it was like Charlie Moore was driving him crazy. <laughs> he was he wasn't playing like himself, you know. I was driving down, so yeah, I, I know. So you didn't. So I know you didn't want, but it was like, and it's not my fault because <laughs> because I I was not. I did not watch the first half. We were driving down. I got home. I know we were up because you texted me. I got home. I turned it on when we got home, and we were already down sixteen. So so it's, so it's not on me that I turned it on and and mm. we lost the lead. <laughs> and we'll blame you anyways. We'll blame you anyways. Uh, you no. didn't. You didn't wear your lucky shirt. I didn't wear my lucky. <laughs> No, also I said, I, and, and your sister said, I didn't, I didn't pray for them during mass. I was in a, the thing was, there's so many announcements of mass yesterday. I was going to say, all right, let's, you know, 220, the you were good. But, but, you know, it was so close because we've never felt that before. You know, it's like, wow, I, you know, we're going to see the kids, you know, cut down the nets in, in, yeah. in a regional. Yep. We're going to get final four swag because I don't want a $34 Elite Eight t-shirt. Just reminds me that we got our clock cleaned yep. in, in, that, in that game, in the second half of that game. But... Great, just a great all around effort by Coach, Coach L. Coach L. Wow, I mean, what a what a they have nothing to, you know to hang their he heads on. They they did an incredible job. It's not the best team in UM history by by you know by by any means. Just a team that's gone the farthest in the tournament, and they just played well. And and you see the lead, and my father and I were talking about that at a halftime because that was the difference in the game up to that point. Is that the veteran leadership on that team? You know, and also a twenty-four-year-old and an eighteen-year-old—that's that's a big difference in terms of physicality as well. Thing is that us having no bigs—I knew it was going to come back to bite because they killed us in the paint, even in the first half, and we just didn't knock down any threes in the second. We couldn't make a bucket in the second. It was just—it was just awful. But hats off to them for a great tournament run. Uh, our brackets obviously blew up. Mine blew up on Thursday when Gonzaga lost. Yeah, I, literally, I was in the studio recording that Oscar segment, and mine when, blew up uh, two hours later. Pretty much, when you were you were asleep. Arizona. You were you were yep, sound asleep. I, <laughs> I woke you up with that that Simpsons gif of you know like come sit with us in, yes, in the darkness. Welcome to the darkness. Welcome to the darkness. Yeah, uh, but two two uh, teachers of ours who know nothing about uh, basketball are there. You know, one picked Villanova, one picked Duke, and. And, you know. and there's a third dark horse who yeah, has a, who even, has a, and there's a path. A, yeah. And it's a pretty solid looking path. It is. So we'll see. We'll see what happens. The good thing about Kansas is I did, that's the last points that I could have gotten. Yeah. So, but it, it, it cemented <laughs> me into seventh place. I don't know if I'll end there, but. I did not finish last. I'm I'm just happy with that. It's, it's, it's hard to do that. But uh, no, but what a great turn. And it's been just an amazing turn. No, St. Peter's, Peter's finally, wow. you know, clock struck midnight for both of us yesterday. And uh they had an incredible run, and North Carolina is just firing on all cylinders yep. right now. That Duke-Carolina game, you bring the intensity into it. That's why I think the whoever wins the Villanova-Kansas game, you know, they can beat because they're going to beat up each other so much. Yep. They know each other. They hate each other. It's such a great rivalry. Yep. That's going to be such a great Final Four. Uh, I have a lot of work to do on Saturday. I mean, that, that was worried about that yesterday. I can't have the game in the Final Four because I have so much work next Saturday. When am I going to watch? I mean, I want to be in front of a TV watching a game, but, you know, priesthood comes first. So last night, so you say, what was last night? USA Soccer. Ooh. We watched it. Wow. And that was, what a beatdown. Wow. Christian, Captain America with three goals, a hat trick. That was impressive. He had the hat trick. That and was it was impressive. 5-1 over Panama. And so now. So I, I have to tell you, we were, we were at Duffy's uh-huh. after Mass. Obviously, the game started. You know, you got you were with a with a group mm-hmm. on the other side of the wall watching, right. and Matias is there 
you know, trying to eat and watching the phone and whatnot, anything we can do to keep them quiet. <laughs> so we we score, right? And the the whole half of the restaurant screams in, in joy. And Matias has no clue what's going on, but he just looks up and goes, yay! There you go. <laughs> it was so cute. It, it was awesome. No, but whatever. Was, and then we scored well, again. And then we scored again. Yeah, five times we did that. And so now we're at the cusp of qualifying. For us to be totally eliminated, actually, we, we can't be totally eliminated. We clinched at the very worst. Yeah, the play-in. The play-in yeah. against uh, the winner of the Oceania uh, uh, Confederation. That would be in Cutter in June. Cutter in June. Hey, now. But for that to happen, Costa Rica needs to beat us by at least six goals. Now, mind you, we beat Panama by four by goals. Four. Should have been five. You know, we let that one sneak in late. But, and I was at home. So, Costa Rica, you know, they're going to try, but, you know, all you have to do is park the bus back yeah. there and just, you know, because winner draw, you know, they have to beat us by six goals. We're in the World Cup, basically. You know, but crazier careful, things that, careful. Yeah, crazier things that happen. We didn't, we didn't expect to go into Trinidad and, you know, <laughs> that's going to happen Wednesday at 9 p.m. Looking forward to that. Uh, what's going on with the heat, Jorge? Oh, man. Ouch. Yeah. What's the what's the losing streak at? Four? Four. Uh, we're going tonight. You're not. I'm, I'm going not. tonight. The, the school's singing tonight at, at the heat Let's game. Let's see if the sisters bring them some luck. N- no. Prayer. I mean, we're playing Sacramento. It's not, not, not the greatest team in the NBA. Uh, but we lost to an undermanned uh, Philadelphia team last Monday. Lost to an undermanned Golden State team on Wednesday. Lost to the Knicks. You never lose. And, I, and we were beating. I, I looked at that on Friday night. I forgot what I was doing on Friday night. I looked. Oh, we were, I was getting ready to watch the the Canes and the Sweet Sixteen. I'm I'm looking at the game. Oh, it's third quarter. We're we're up by a bunch. Oh, this game is done. And during the I see. Wait, we lost against the Knicks. And then we got our clock cleaned by by Brooklyn, who now has Kyrie, you know, full time. That New York lifted the, yeah. the vaccine mandate for employees. You know that. You know, I, I'm scared of Brooklyn. And and right now we're tied for first. I want to say with Philadelphia. Uh, I haven't checked the stand, but we, I, that's what I was, I heard yesterday. Uh, and I'm worried about the, the heat, you know, they're not playing well and hopefully we get all the kinks out here in the regular uh, season. Now, now is when you want to lose them. Get those out, get those out of the way. Uh, yeah, that, that, that's what needs to happen. So we, 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 we go into the, the, the playoffs with some momentum because we don't know who we're going to, um, no, we're in, we're, no, we're tied we're tied with Boston for first place, yep. but we're they've in got sec- the tiebreaker. Yep. They have the tiebreaker probably because they've beaten us head to head. Um, what for whatever reason? Let, let's let's recover that. But the East is crazy. Half a game between first and fourth. Yeah, we could be. There's half a game between first and fourth, and then Chicago's at, who was right there with us at first place back and forth all year. They're three and a half back than Toronto, and then the play-in seven to ten going to the play-in. It's Cleveland, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Atlanta. Mm-hmm. To me, it's mind-boggling that Brooklyn is ninth. It's just crazy. And then the Lakers are perilously holding on to that that uh, that tenth spot yep. in the West. But the Heat clinched their division already, which here doesn't mean anything. If the Dolphins did it, we'd throw a parade, right. you know. <laughs> but um, but yeah, we already broke down the Dolphin news last week on Wednesday. So we don't have to revisit that. I mean, you were we did we did we're, we 
we're due to have our uh, our hockey analyst, our hockey expert, oh, come on for the, uh, they 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 I, they did not. I don't think they won last time. No, they, did they win got Saturday. Their, they got their butts handed to them. No, but they did win in a shootout on Saturday, which well, I saw. Another, they just need to be down three zero. Yeah, that's their and, specialty, and they'll come back. Uh, I caught a little bit of spring training with the Marlins. Saw some box scores and. Horace Hilaire, I believe, went three for four. Three his, for four. On his first uh, Three appearance. singles, two runs scored. Look, yeah. at this, look at this. Rattling off stats without Go looking at it. anything. Do it. Yeah, oh, I'm, in my, I'm in my happy place. He's, do, he's doing it. That lineup, man. That lineup. I'm there's looking, there's man, so many. Go to opening day. We should fly to San Francisco <laughs> and to watch real opening day <laughs> since we can't do it here. It's a work event, right? We need to know what we're talking about on the podcast. Yeah, sure, absolutely. <laughs> you tell the Archbishop that. I mean, but opening day but is... That, I'm excited for this lineup, though. There's so many different ways. Opening day is next week. Yes. It's next Thursday. It's, it's coming. Wow. It's right there. Can't wait. But I like what Mattingly's doing here. But opening day should have been this Thursday. No, We were there. We had... Oh, my goodness. No, Mattingly, filling out that lineup card going to be fun every day. And with the DH now? Now... Yeah, you weren't a big fan of the DH. I, I, I mean, it, open, it opens up more avenues... Because I'm a traditionalist and yeah. a National League, American League. And, you know, and yes, when you see the pitcher hit, it's sometimes so, wow. You know, you kind of check out because, yeah. oh, here comes the pitcher. And so many times with the Marlins, that seven, eight, nine hole <laughs> is like, oh, here we go. And let's just turn the lineup over and turn the lineup around so we could get back to the top of the order. But now you got Jazz down in the nine hole sometimes. And no, yeah. Jazz needs to get some. You know, he said the other day he needs to get some consistency also. So let's hope that... Uh, that happens. Now, there is one player that that you know we've had through this rebuild who started off very hot when the rebuild started, and and is giving me not that he's had a bad spring because again we don't pay attention to, to spring stats, but I keep asking myself the question: Is Brian Anderson the answer at third base, or just answering that lineup? Because if you're bringing up Jesus Sanchez, I have Joey Weddle, you have. You have, you know, we have the, these new pieces to play with, you know. Not to mention what's waiting in the wings and the in, in the, you know, and, and exactly. So and Brian and Brian can play uh, left field. Mm-hmm. So that is something that that gives me cause because he did not have a great season last year. I was fully anticipating a a trade involving him and really and and, uh, and one of our pitchers or, or a couple of our pitchers. I'm surprised. I'm surprised he's still on. The and team. and it could still happen. Uh, who did I read last night that? Uh, no, this morning I read Albert Pujols was signing one year yeah, contract with the Cardinals. Back with the card, so good for him. And but I'm, I mean, what we need is a true. We don't have a true center fielder. Yeah. It looks like they're going with the Jesus Sanchez. Jesus, yep. I said that he came up with uh, with with Tampa Bay uh, with the Rays system. He came up through the Rays system as a center fielder. So you know it's good to be talking Baseball. lineups and. And and what's going to happen? And who should yeah. and, and should we get something? And should we trade for something? And maybe something they revisit during the season. For sure. But you know, pitching we have. I have not seen our catcher stats. No, how, I have. I don't. I, I haven't paid attention. I to can't. That. Uh, I can't rattle that one off. I sorry. Have, I haven't paid. I haven't paid <laughs> attention to that. Um, we have to discuss it because uh, oh, I, we talked about it on Friday. Uh, first, we, you, an update on you know my Oscar picks. Only missed four. Wait, sorry, missed three. Nice. Uh, missed out on best animated short, like because you know, I I mean, mind me, I did I, I did a, like five minutes of research yeah. going through some websites, going, what's everybody picking? Uh, 
knew Dune was going to sweep all the, the, the technical categories, and they did. Uh, applause, standing ovation, or I'm doing yeah, the, yeah. the silent clap right here that in the was, studio right that, now. What a moment. Coda winning was, I'm like, Hollywood, please get this right. Uh, but, I, you know, so uh, Bianca, who's with me, and thank, and again, thank you to Bianca for joining us uh, on Thursday night. And, and when, when Troy won uh, Best Supporting Actor. Oh, he, that, oh. Was, and that was amazing. Um, with with his speech, uh, he was he he that that character is so great. Again, if you haven't seen Code, I highly recommend it. It's on Apple TV Plus. But everyone's talking about <laughs> this the moment because <laughs> I you know it's ten forty five at night and Jorge is usually long gone by that time. But both for his wife texted me first, and I you know and I guess they were watching they were watching it together. And they both started texting me, and you have thoughts on what happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock. Well, I thought it was staged at first. Yeah, it looked staged. And then, and then I thought my my uh, my TV went went busted because the sound went out. Yep. So I'm rewinding and fast forwarding and changing channels, and every everything's working fine. So I go back and it's still silent. And then, and then the the video. I, of course, we go to Twitter, and I apologize for sending you a tweet. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to send you a box of chocolate <laughs> cookies. Father gave up social media for Lent, and I, I sent him. And a, really, it is. It was very difficult. Suffering. It was very difficult during the Canes runs, yep. during the the March Madness, during the St. Peter runs. Everybody said Twitter's exploding, and I, and you know it's very easy to click on social media reacts mm-hmm. and, on on websites. Yep. And during the Oscars, especially during a viral moment oh, like last yes. night. So yeah, the but you had the strong moment, thoughts. I do, I do, because look. Okay, here we go. It's an insensitive joke. Fine, but Chris Rock is a comedian. That's what comedians do. And Especially for, in that forum. Yes. Uh, uh, that the Oscars is, is, you know, ripping everyone left and right from stage, especially right. But mm-hmm. that's beside the point. <laughs> <laughs> that's what they do. And to, to, first, the joke, Will Smith was laughing at it. He was. And I'm, I'm going to throw that out there right off the bat. He was laughing at it. Then realized his wife was offended by it. So then he gets up and goes and... and Slaps Chris Rock. And then to go up there, well, first, I, I thought he should have been escorted out of the building right away. Some people say he should have been arrested. Yeah, absolutely. That's still to be determined. But at the very minimum, no, they, he should I read have the, been. I, I read this morning that uh, Chris Rock was asked if he wanted to press charges, and he said yeah, no. He could, he could still change his mind. He could still change we'll, his mind. We'll see but how that I, plays I, out. I don't think it will. I don't but think I, he, he should have been escorted out of the building. For the officers to come out today and say, we don't condone violence when they kept him in the building, let him go up and give a. a Awful acceptance speech. He was yeah. all over the place. And then to to have him go to the after parties, you know, living his best life, and and for them to be joking about but everything that happened d- d- doesn't matter. The, the damage was done. I mean, yes. it's it's your night is already ruined. Absolutely. But so he he's laughing at the joke. Then he realizes his wife is offended. So he goes. Now there's some background there. His wife has a condition alopecia. She, alopecia that that she revealed, I guess, was sure. in December, and and Chris Rock didn't know that, but. And I get that. Fine, it's an insensitive joke, but you don't answer an insensitive joke with, with violence. violence. Yeah. Period. And then come out and, and what you said. And then what the, the yeah. part that really upset me. And I'm gonna have to oh, you, control you, my temper here. Right. You you were you were like I you could, know I he could... goes up and gives you know this crocodile tear speech about you know I'm called to love people and to protect people and to protect yeah. people and I'm here to protect my family like Richard Williams. Don't compare yourself to Richard Williams. You fine. You played him in the movie, but. But no, he played man. him well. He deserved to win that Oscar. Absolutely, that's beside the point. Yeah. 
don't go up there and, and try to justify your actions you know, in the name of love and protecting your family. Because now every every wacko can go out and say, oh, I'm defending I'm defending my family out of love and I'm gonna go, you know, beat somebody there, up. There are other ways of handling that. You uh, know, if you don't like the joke, you get up and, and fine, scream from your seat, say that's not cool, cut it out, but you don't go up there and on national TV here here is my my, my lay hands on somebody. My my take on this is that you know, Hollywood preaches tolerance, 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 love, 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 and then but don't but don't come at me. Don't cross me. Yep. You know, don't joke at me. Yes, it was an insensitive joke. Yes, she's going through that condition. Yes, they have, and it's been well documented, their marital problems. Uh, and, they're, and God bless them, they're still married. And, 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 and props to them that throughout, through yep. their marital problems, even though they aired it out for all the world to see, which those things should be done behind closed for doors. Sure. But God, you know, and God, but yeah. seriously, God bless them that they're, that after all these years and in Hollywood, that they have been married for as Absolutely. long as they have been. I can understand and appreciate all of that. Okay, but you, but your beefs with your wife are done behind closed doors. So my take is that the tolerance thing is that you were saying the swings at the right. Yes, the tolerance and the tolerance and the top, but no, but don't come at us. Because the tolerance stops here mm-hmm. at, the, at the border of Hollywood. And that's where, that's what we, you know, that, that that's where the, the problem that I had. Going into the night, I was rooting for him because you know, he, he played Ali and he walked out. He stormed out of the theater when he did one. And, and I forget who won that year. It was 2002. Uh, Ali came on to it. It was 2003. I forget who won that year, but whoever won, I remember that whoever won deserved to win that over Will Smith. Uh, I never saw, I didn't see Macbeth. I did see being the Ricardos, Javier Bardem give an excellent performance as yeah. Desi Arnaz. You know, if Denzel Washington is doing, and I really want to watch that. If he's doing Macbeth, he must have killed it. Yeah. But the thing is, the momentum <laughs> was behind Will Smith, and of sometimes course. it's called legacy Oscars. Like Leo DiCaprio didn't win mm. until Revenant, and the Revenant was not his best work. It yeah. was great, it was amazing, it was Oscar worthy, but it was look at his body of work. It was not his best work. Just like just like uh, The Departed for Scorsese. Scorsese mm. was not had not won an Oscar. Should have won it for Goodfellas. Should have won it for Raging Bull. Should have won it for for Means. He should have won it for for so many of his for Taxi Driver. But wanted for the Departed, which a great movie did win the Oscar that year, but did not. But that's the one he won for. So kind of, I call them legacy Oscars. Yep. For people who have done good work Absolutely. and they are up for it, and and they and did. And he it. deserved it. And he deserved. And, he, and King Richard was a good, not great film, just very well acted. He did great. It's just but his he, action. He, he spoiled it. He, he spoiled did. it for himself. And but he, but he. I gotta say, I, I lost a lot of respect for Will Smith. And and Will Smith, listen, we not have that a great, I know the guy, but but, but we, I, we, I, we, I generally we, like the. We hear Will Smith all the time. We the Welcome to Miami. That's yeah. our anthem here in this city, and and you know Fresh Prince of Bel Air. We all know the lyrics to the to the to the rap. You know Independence Day, yep. the, the, all all the great movies, Bad Boys, all the great movies that he's done, and you know. And kudos to Chris Rock, man. This isn't getting spoken about enough. Go yeah. To get smacked on live TV, in front of an international audience, and then get cursed out twice. Twice. You know, from a guy sitting three feet away from him, you know, to recover one, not to lose his own temper, to recover so quickly, and move on right to to not ruin the moment for the award that he's presenting, that was impressive. Mm-hmm. That was impressive. So, and he's, I mean, yes, he's vulgar. Yes, he says things that are controversial. But he's but a he was, comedian. But not he, that I but, excuse it, but he's but a he, comedian. He was, but he was, and he was, he was funny. <laughs> you know, because it was up to, up to that moment, it was like. And the whole theater was laughing. Come and on. And the whole theater was laughing. It's like, <laughs> come on. 
So I mean, he was making jokes at Javier Bardem and and Penelope Cruz, his wife, and 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 they were laughing, and you know, and but you know, he was better than the host. I got to tell you that. You said bring back Ricky Gervais. <laughs> said Ricky Gervais. You know, I remember his. He was he did probably the last Golden Globes were we done, and that was just two months before the pandemic, and just ripped everybody yeah. in the room, and says he goes. You know, and he, and every time he says something, people were like, "Oh, like I, I don't care." I don't. He goes, "I don't care. I really don't. I'm fine." He's got projects, and he's got buckets of money from oh, office, yeah. from office. You know, uh, I'm forgetting the name, the word of it now. Uh, from office royalties, royalty checks, royalties because yep. he sold the show to America, and it's making money. He doesn't care. So he went out there. He goes. He said. And it was a little, it was a little crass. He goes, no one cares about your political opinions. Just come out here, thank your agent, thank your God, and just get off the stage. That's it. That's, Reach. It's like because <laughs> what was this? What was the best speech of the night? You and I talked about it. The the best actor, oh, yeah, the, best yeah, supporting yeah, the best actor supporting actor from from Coda. It was a speech in sign language, which was translated. I love that she took the Oscar back. So no, that no, could no, sign. so that he could sign. <laughs> no, I uh, forget the name of, of 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 the of the actress. Small small woman. Uh, and she was there. She was holding, and she was there with him. And it's like it was, it was, and there was like this beautiful friendship emerged right there in the instant. But he was, it was heartfelt. Yep. He was talking about the deaf community. He was talking about what this meant to the deaf community, what it meant to the people that made the film, what it meant to him and his family. Okay, didn't bring politics into, didn't bring his own personal views. It, it was just this is a, you know, this is something that you know you see, and and you you know say why do you watch the Oscars? It's like to see moments like that. Yep. To see moments like you know the Godfather doing that 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 reunion, even though I think it should have been a little bit more, you know, because I thought they were going to bring out the whole cast. When I saw that they were doing all three films, I'm like, oh, they're going to bring out everybody that's living. Nice. They're going to out Robert Duvall was really, I mean, Albert, Al Pacino did not look good. I mean, De Niro is only three years younger than him, but looked better. Um, but you know, I thought it was going to be more. But it's for moments like that. It's for moments like you know they put the songs up. Yeah. Uh, even though it wasn't nominated, they did sing. We don't talk about Bruno. They did a very good job of it, and it kind of like made it. You, you didn't like it. Uh, I mean, I didn't see the whole thing, but it was. <laughs> you don't like the song. I don't like the song. It's know? grown. I mean, I, it has no option but to grow on me because I hear it seventy-five times a day. But. <laughs> so, but <laughs> but anyway, the, but all the all the, all those things. You know, when we were at, at, at Duffy's last night, one TV had the soccer game, and another TV had the Oscars, and 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 Carly was you know who's known me. And and I don't know me, you know, my entire life. He goes, you know, here's Father Man. He's you know, two loves yeah. other than Jesus Christ. <laughs> you know, it's sports and movies, and and it's right, and it, it is, and it was for me, and to see triumphs, yeah. like Coda, because you look back over the last ten years. I I joked on on on, on Friday on the podcast that you know we, last year the Oscar ceremony was terrible. I didn't even see it, and I joked at the moment I had totally forgotten who won last year. It was Nomadland, which I enjoyed, but it wasn't a movie that made you like. That stirred you like Coda stirred us, right. and you look back at the movies that have won the year before that. Parasite, eh, good movie, not the greatest. I mean, there are movies that should have won, like Silver Linings Playbook. Yep. You know, all those movies that lift your spirits, that lift you up. La La Land should have beaten Moonlight, and not because of the topic of Moonlight or, or the or the subject matter of Moonlight. It's that La La Land was a better movie. Absolutely. You know, I had, had I had no you know I had no problem watching Moonlight. It was a movie made in three acts. The first act was amazing. Then the second and third act, just the wheels fell off. But I can't say that because it'll get me in trouble. But La La Land should have won. You might get slapped. La La Land <laughs> should have won that. But there were so many movies that you look back, and you look back through all of Oscar history and say, if you could have a do-over, yep. you know, and then Coda, 
And that's why I think I was thinking about this last night. Usually the Oscars are done in late February or mid to late February, and it was pushed back for whatever reason. It was, I mean, I think mm. it was originally scheduled for this date, but th- it gives us more time to breathe and to look at it because what happens is it gets momentum, and everybody says, okay, let's push towards right. this movie, pa- The Power of the Dog, which was, had all the momentum when Oscar season started, and it was not a good film. And yes, there were certain parts that were okay. It was a psychological movie, but it was like, eh, mm. eh. Give, that to, give it to West Side Story because it was a cinematic triumph. It really was. No, I didn't add some quibbles with it, but it was it was a good movie. Uh, a friend of mine who works for Netflix said Dune should have won it. I I have not seen Dune nor have any interest of seeing Dune. Didn't watch it in the eighties. Don't plan on watching it now. Nope. <laughs> won all these second awards. Great. Has a great cast. You know, Horry just said I I watched Don't Look Up. I did my do- I Oscar diligence. I you know was a waste of time. So, anyhow, went over an hour. We did. Yeah, We're still still not going to touch number uh, two. I I don't think. In, in length, uh, the longest podcast. I oh, think no, no, no. Your two longest podcasts are still I, I wanted when it. I, I am wanted, not in studio. I wanted <laughs> to get there. Oh, man. I could, I could stretch this out. I could go into, we could we could talk about best best documentary, you know, f- feature film, if you want, you know, which, is, which is actually a film that I want to see. Uh, Let's talk about all the awards that weren't on the, on the, on the main uh, production yesterday. Who cares? <laughs> I mean, I know they, and listen, I know they care. These are people that work very hard at their craft and, and deserve the time and the, the recognition because so many things go on. And, and, and I have friends who are in the industry that, that know how much goes into oh, yeah. making a movie or making a TV show. And, and the people, it's it, just like a church. It's the people behind the scenes that make everything go. Uh, people that, you know, and, and they said it during the audience, it takes 2,000 people to put on the Oscars and they were, they were giving kudos, even to the seed fillers. Yep. That was a big joke uh, towards the end by Amy Schumer. So, uh that's uh that's our episode for today uh you know it could have gone longer we should, you know i, I could have spent more and more time i i, I didn't get I mean, my, my holidays here in front of me there's paragraphs here that i didn't even touch but um that's why the prodigal son is continues to be this living breathing you know it's a living word of god and it touches us in different ways you know emmaus is so used to reading the emmaus gospel uh you know before every meeting and they hear it, and it's, wow, oh, I heard it a thousand times. I go, but it depends where you are in the spiritual life when you hear it, that something that you may not have considered before may touch you in a deep way. So that's why this week, open up the return of the, I mean, the, the story of the prodigal son, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 14, and, you know, and read through it. Read through it slowly. Identify with one of the characters, whether it be the prodigal son, the elder son, or the, uh, the, the, son of the, pro- or the father of the prodigal son, because that is our goal. That is our spiritual goal. And continue to pray for Ukraine. Continue to pray for all the intentions that we've presented over the last couple of weeks. Pray for our, our catechumens who are three weeks away from being baptized and being fully welcomed into our church. Pray for our religious education kids who are uh, about to receive their first penance this coming this week, tomorrow, and on uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. So many things to pray for. Bring that to prayer. We bring it before our mother, the Mother of God and to help us to finish this Lent strong, and to have God come run out to us. That's what this is all about. And the Almighty God bless all of you. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.